ang babasahin. Okay. Alright. On my signal, start na yung recording. Okay. Okay, one, two, three. Intro music, Cara Fosse. Then intro spell, 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 Cara Fodon. Ustini, the USDCCWLS podcast presents Reading Texts. morning. Welcome to the first episode of Ustini, the official podcast of the USTCCWLS. We have two kinds of episodes. The first kind is called Ustini Arti, or Reading and Texts. This format will feature the reading of a literary piece by Filipino writers. The second kind is called Ustini DM, or Discussions Matter. And it will take up different issues that involve Philippine literature. A guest for today is a UST CCWLS resident fellow, the author of Looking for Polaris, a memoir of losing and finding. She graduated cum laude from USC with an AB literature and earned her MA in creative writing from UP Diliman, where she is currently working on her PhD. She was a fellow of the 3rd J. Elizalde de Nevado National Workshop for Arts Criticism in 2011, the UST Creative Writing Workshop in 2012. She she is an associate professor at the UST Faculty of Arts and Letters and is a research fellow of the UST Research Center for Culture, Arts, and the Humanities. Friends, let's all welcome Don Dorente Murfield. Hi, good oh, afternoon. Hi, Don. Hi, good hi. afternoon. How are you? Hi, um, I haven't taken a bath yet, <laughs> but I'm fine. Right. This will only Um, feature the voice anyway. Correct. But yeah, well, so today uh, you'll be reading uh, for us the first part of your poetics, right? Yes. Yeah, so can you tell us something about it? Um, well, I I took up. which one? Okay, I'm going to uh, take up the first part of my poetics, Looking for Polaris, because I don't know how mm. else to title it. Because, uh, why, why is it? Um, oh, okay. Because Polaris is usually known as a North Star. So people always assume that you can always uh, use one for the other, but it's really not because, you know, every couple of thousands of years, the... Earth shifts, so Polaris won't always be the North Star. Uh, after some time, it's going to be some other star. I forget what it is. So um, I just kind of uh, wanted to use that as the title for uh, my poetics because things shift. Like all the reasons why I used to write before are not the reasons why I write now. So I, I think that's why I um, use that title for my uh, poetics. All right, very interesting. So, friends, let's welcome again Don Lorente Marfil to read the first part of her poetics. Looking for Polaris, Poetics of Finding and Losing. It was Daffy Duck's fault, really. My father was merely the duck's instrument. He and I were watching Looney Tunes one 
afternoon after school when I finally deciphered what Daffy kept on saying in the middle of his spit fountains, standing nearly on the tips of his orange duck feet, black body elongated to a rigid line and angled aggressively towards Bugs Bunny, his tiny fists trembling on his sides, his orange beak, tiny black irises in the middle of a huge white eyeballs and his eyebrows all screwed to a permanent scowl on his face, Daffy Duck would release a shower of spit along with his token response to anything Bugs did. You're despicable! I was eight years old and my reading materials consisted of fairy tales. I turned to my father and asked him what the word despicable meant. His eyes were glued to the TV screen and he didn't even turn his head when he told me we gave you a dictionary on your birthday, didn't we? Realizing that I had never opened the dictionary past the first page with the words presented to Don Marie Nicole by Papa and Mama, dated January 30, 1990, in my father's precise block handwriting, I hurriedly took out the huge red book that was too big for my eight-year-old hands from my room and eagerly looked it up, struggling just a little bit with my ABCs. There were so many letters to sift through, D-E-S-P-I-C-A-B-L-E, going back and forth with the alphabet a couple of times, deserving to be despised, contemptible, it read, and I had to find out what despise and contemptible meant as well. I probably spent the rest of the afternoon buried inside that dictionary, missing the rest of Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry, which my father could probably fill me in on later. I couldn't put the dictionary down, to, one, to say one thing, I hate you, in so many different ways, with different subtleties and degrees of emotion, I was in love. That's it. All right. So thank you, Don, for reading that. Um, okay. So my question is, it seems that the, well, what you read for us, to me, it seems like um, there's somehow a connection between um, well, you and language. Um, <laughs> do you think um, because you're always questioning about the meaning of words and so I feel like uh, or do you think it somehow affected you even until today? Like, um, Do you think it's the reason why uh, you became interested in language or you, it's probably the reason why you are a writer today? Uh, yes, because uh, my first brush with with uh, language was that, with um, uh, hearing Daffy Duck say despicable and then actually looking at him and wondering what he was saying, but actually knowing what despise meant already just by looking at his body language and how he acts towards Bugs Bunny and how that is so different from just simply saying hate. So when, um, when I started to write, I, I became really conscious about the words that I would use. Like, let's say, for example, when you describe someone's voice, um, there is a difference between, uh, <clears throat> between saying that his voice was harsh or that his voice was broken, or his, so it just, right. uh, yeah. So I just like the possibility of <laughs> uh, of um, describing things in a multitude of ways 
and them not meaning the same thing. Um, the, the title of the book is Looking for, for Pilaris and it Pilaris. entails the, the idea of searching and all. Um, do you think it's, uh, or is it deliberate? Because, you know, given that this is your first book, um, can you say that your, your works here are still, you know, a mode of searching? Uh, I think when we, when we first start to write, we do a lot of searching. Like, let's say for me, first it was a search for the proper genre. Because the first time that I started to write, I, I mean, really, when, you, when you're a kid and then you start reading books, your first dream, well, mine was, your first dream was to be a fictionist because I wanted to have novels printed uh, with my name as a byline. So I thought I was a fictionist, but it, it didn't turn out well. And then I had to look for another genre because I can't fail. So I think I tried poetry. And then after that, I was fine for like two, three poems, but that's it. Then <laughs> I got into, <laughs> and then I got into um, Mum Jing's class. And then that's when I started writing in uh, creative nonfiction. So there's that search for genre. And then there's also your, the search for your voice. Because when you start out writing, you tend to imitate the people that you've read. So you sound like them. Like for me, it was, I was obsessed with Jessica Zafra. So mm. I wanted to sound like her, but I couldn't. Um, and what else? And also, you know, it, the search for meaning it, when you write. Because you go through life. Because that's, that's the thing with CNF, right? You write about your life. Mm. Mm-hmm. And as you're going through your life, you're searching for meaning. But then when you write it down in your CNF piece, it, the search for meaning as you're living your life becomes different when you start crafting it into a CNF piece. Because then it's either you discover something new or you discover something um, different. So your truth, right. it becomes relative. Uh, speaking of truth, were you ever tempted, you know, as you were dating, were you ever tempted to change the course of the story? Um, but of course, you're conscious that it has to be the real thing, given that it's mm-hmm. CNF. But um, were there times where you thought that, oh, I wish I could write it differently? Write it differently. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh, the story oh. could take a, a different track, but oh, it could okay. because well, what happened? Your integrity different? as a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. as a writer is going to be put in question. Um, right. Was I ever tempted to? I think mm, no, no, never because uh, mm. I was. I fell in love with the challenge of CNF to always write things the way that they happened and how mm. you can make it into something artful. So I was never tempted to change it because, you know, <laughs> rising to that challenge was uh, something that I held dear. So there's that. Um, but if I wasn't writing about it, if it was just me daydreaming uh, about how my life could have, could have turned out differently had I done this or I, 
Yeah, I do, but not in my capacity as a writer, just as a human being <laughs> who daydreams, but that's it. <laughs> Great. Um, so for our last question, um, what was the biggest discovery that you had um, in the process of writing where you thought, uh, oh, I wish I didn't discover this or I didn't you know, uncover this? meaning ah. that's that's part of your book oh okay oh okay eh. was was there an essay that you know uh you thought that oh, i i hope i didn't get to realize these things ah <laughs> eh. Well, there's there was that moment, I think, but not to the point that I regretted it. It um, so the part that I regret was realizing it and and um, connecting. Let me just explain. I was uh, this was in Black Hole Heart, and I was just I think mm. watching some um, documentary on TV and. It, that person started talking about the constellation of the swan. And uh, the point, <laughs> that constellation of the swan has a black hole where the swan's heart is supposed to be. So if you think about it, the black hole is supposed to swallow everything around it. So there's going to be a point in time when that black hole in the middle of the heart of the swan of the constellation of the swan is going to swallow up the entire constellation and then when i started then when i started connecting it to uh what i was writing it it made me realize that sometimes if there are certain black holes in your memory like things that uh traumatize you to the point that you can't remember it most of the time that it's that trauma that kind of directs your whole life and will probably swallow it up if you're not careful i think so so to me it was kind of uh, that connection that i made was uh, heartbreaking but it was also fun to make so <laughs> so right is that <laughs> all right so thank you don for being with us um friends that's don Marfil, the author of Looking for Polaris. Outro okay. music, care of Jose. Outro spiel, care of God. <laughs> Ustini, the USDCCWLS podcast, was brought to you by the University of Santo Tomas Center for Creative Writing and Literary Studies. Please follow our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash USDCCWLS. And we're out. Okay. Sige, cut ko muna to ha. Cut ko to, cut ko to. <laughs>